Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, it's five now, yeah. Good afternoon, everybody. Good evening, everybody, depending on where you're at. And uh, you are here with me. I am Joe, and this is A Cup of Joe. Soon I will have one of those in my hand, and I'll be able to share it with you all. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> so we have uh, an interesting show today, um, to say the least. Um, Lisa, who normally shoots the video, is not here today, but... Um, my lovely wife Liz is, and she's going to be taking her place, and uh, the show must go on. Uh, what we learn in this world of activism, of trying to change the world, is there's always a reason somebody can and can't make things, and there are some of us that just keep coming aboard no matter what happens, no matter when. We don't take days off. We don't miss days. We don't get off when bad shit happens, we keep going. You know why? Because there's a need always, no matter what, for people to keep going. 
And we all have a role in this world. And some of them are, are to pick up the pieces when things fall apart. Some are to carry the sled up the hill. I was informed yesterday that I'm a, a Chinese fire horse. And apparently there's something about horses that like to carry shit up hills. So that might be part of it. I don't know. All I know is that there's still prohibition raging. And I keep watching and hearing cases. Long after we were told this wasn't going to happen anymore, we're going to talk today about some of these problems that we have. Um, one of the problems we have is, is a misconception that legalization is an end of things. And uh, I was on Pete Yaple's show yesterday, and I kind of ranted about it. So if you heard me talk yesterday, well... I, I don't want to be too much of a broken record, but guess what? As long as we have prohibition and as long as people are losing their freedoms and their properties and their um, children and their jobs and their homes and and their money and everything else, um, because of prohibition, I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm going to keep talking about it until we finally get an end. I'm going to keep talking about it until some people actually get outraged. And it, I want to talk about that word outrage. I, I I think that there's a lot of different things that people consider that to mean. And probably rightly so. I know that there's always a place where we as human beings can feel that, you know, Everything's good. We're doing what we can. Everything's great. I'm making an effort. I'm part of this. I care. Um, whatever it is. But the word outrage to me, when I get outraged, I can't let it sit. I can't let it just sit by and be, be continuing on the way it is. I have to get in the way. I have to disrupt it. I have to make make it change course. And I hear people talk about being outraged. And I think to myself, okay, so if all these people are outraged, then we got a team, right? We got a good team. We got a lot of people out there ready to join forces, work together, lock arms, and beat that drum. And yet, so many times when I get on this show or I get out there and I speak or I make a presentation or write an article, I hear the same five people or the same ten people or however many people it is saying the same things. And I can't help but think, back in the old days, pick any point in history. Pick a point in history when the, the labor strikes were going on. Pick a point in history when women were denied the ability to vote. Pick a point in history when um, a white man couldn't marry a black woman. Pick a point in, in, in history. You just name your travesty. And when people actually got outraged, they got out on the streets and they marched. They actually got out there and did something. 
So I don't use that term lightly. I use that term with passion. I use that term with fervor. I use that term with purpose. And I am outraged. And I am doing something. And I'm going to continue doing something. And sometimes it means posting something on Facebook. But you know what I find? And and it's it's even troubling with Facebook. You know, I think that it's still a good place to, to put information out there. Oh, yeah, here we go. We got a cup of joe coming in. Hold on. Hold the conversation for a second. That's what this is all about here, folks. Sit around the table. Share a cup of joe with me. I welcome you. Anyways, the bottom line is when something moves us to act, it generally takes up some of our time. It takes up some of our time. It takes some effort. It takes some doing. It affects people. And it generally has a common goal that gets brought into it. A common goal that we can all say when this happens, there will be a difference. You know, when, when, when women couldn't vote, they had a very clear goal. Let us vote, and we won't be pissed anymore. When, when the horrible labor laws that were around at a certain point in our history were there, the people said, well, pay us enough money to live and we will not be upset anymore. When civil rights were so horrible that people were lawfully allowed to own each other as slaves, we said, all men are created equal. Let us be free, and we won't be upset anymore. And it goes on and on and on. And you can pick any issue that comes out, and you can say, here's a target. But for some reason or another, when it comes to ending prohibition, we don't seem to do that. We say something else. We say, legalize it. We say, we want access. We want all these little soft steps. We want baby steps because it's the only way there. And, and I'm not saying these things to belittle those people that are doing anything because I trust me, I, I welcome anything we can get. But we need some leaders, some strong people that can take it home because when are we going to get what we actually want? When people stop getting charged for cannabis crimes. When people stop getting locked up for this plant, and when all the people locked up are no longer locked up for this plant, and don't hide under, oh, well, that's a reasonable amount, and oh, well, you know, he was doing this and doing that. That doesn't fix any of our problems. Every single law that we've passed here in America has a place where it's still a criminal act, and we're fooled by these horrible laws that are endorsed and engaged and supported by people who benefit from them and everybody else ends up suffering. And it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense that we're not outraged by that. We go to the symptom and the symptom is, oh, you know, I want to be able to get a license to do something. We say, oh, we should be able to grow six plants. We say, oh, 
you know, we should let all the people who have minor cases of small amounts of possession to get expunged. But heaven forbid if you were charged with possession with intent to sell or sales or transportation or anything horrible like that, it doesn't apply. That doesn't matter. But what we're not wrapping our little brains around, or maybe our big brains or our outrage or our lack thereof or or our misconception of what that means, is that we can change this. We have the power. When enough of us stand together and start beating with one drum, we don't have to know the words to the song. We don't have to have the the right, uh, I don't know, chorus. Just beat the drum the same and it matches the tone, the beat. We can all do it. We can all join in. And the beat of the drum is end the prohibition. End the prohibition. Free the plant. Free the people. It's the same as it was from the day that they signed the Declaration of Independence. The same day that the, the, the Bill of Rights was introduced and passed. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Bestowed upon us by our creator of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Equal rights for everybody. How does that devolve into you can't grow a plant? Well, we let it happen. We let it happen. So today we have at least one person, and I believe we have possibly two or three people that have called in that have cases where they've been charged with cannabis crimes. And that will not happen in a world where prohibition is over. There won't be that. And it won't matter if you had two plants or a hundred plants or a thousand plants. And it won't matter if you're rich enough to afford to get a license or you're too poor to get a license. It won't matter if you were driving across state lines. It won't matter if you stuck it in the mail. It won't matter if you were making oil out of it. Here's where everything gets complicated. And I know I've got a lot of things to say, and I've already burned up 15 minutes in a tirade, and I'll go another five or ten minutes, and I'll get to a point where we can bring everybody in. But these are important points. In California, where over 23 years ago we passed our first law that said somebody can do some things, quote, legally regarding cannabis, and here it is, we passed a law a couple of years ago that made it basically undermine that initial law that we passed. We made it worse, not better, in the name of recreational pot that people can get a license to grow. Everybody else is criminals. There has been an all-out war that has gone on and is continuing in California right now to take out all of the illegal cannabis businesses, and that's everybody else that doesn't have a license. You know how many people have a license? Maybe a thousand to do anything. Everybody else is a criminal. Guess what? We just made a whole lot more criminals. 
And yeah, a few people are doing business and good for them. But I'm talking about the everybody else part of here. Now, we say that these laws are supposed to raise all this money. Well, it really hasn't raised the money that people are talking about. Oregon has a huge surplus of pot where Kansas has a shortage. Oh, wait, Kansas doesn't have any law at all that lets it happen. Or they have a really terrible law. It doesn't make sense. It's not about supply and demand. It's about control. And that's what's going on. In California, I just read an article, and it was talking about all these raids that they're doing on in, in public land. Well, I tell you what, if this was prohibition was over, it wouldn't be worth it to grow it on public land because it would be cost-effective that anybody could afford it. But we're trying to control the price of this stuff. That's what's really going on. Now, if we open up the market wide open, it's hard to say exactly what would happen. Prices go way down. It would still be a whole lot more than soybeans or corn. It would still be way worth growing. And those people that could do it really well could still garner a command a price that would be more worth it. And those people that could make products out of it and do it well could command a price for that. So there's still a market no matter what. Think about it, folks. It's about a few people controlling everybody else, just like everything else. So I read this article, and they were talking about taking out these farms, these giant groves that are out on public land, and their complaints are we're diverting water, we're putting pesticides into the into the, the ground, we're putting uh, rodentis... We're, we're putting all these toxins into the ground, we're leaving behind chemical warfare behind. And you know what they said? The law enforcement has enough, barely enough resources to go and gather up all these plants and destroy them. We don't have enough resources to clean up the mess. We don't have enough resources to clean up the mess. And yet the mess is the problem, right? That's what they tell us. That's why we've got to end all these plants, right? Because of the mess. Oh, but we can't do that part. That just blew my head apart. That just completely blew my head apart. It made me not be able to understand what the hell this is about. Listen, people, we control our government. It's us. We let them tell us what to do, but if we show up and we say, whoa, hold on now, that one's not going to work. We get it to stop. We call out a recall. Hey, I got a great idea. And I know I'm kind of going all over the place, but there's each one of these points, if you can just stay with me for a second long enough to grab it, are real. What if when it comes time for campaigning, somebody starts collecting sound bites of these incumbents who have made all these claims before they got elected, and then let's juxtapose it to their voting record? I'm going to do this if I get elected. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. We're going to give you this. We're going to do that. And then they get elected and none of it happens. But nobody gets called to task. I don't know. 
why don't we remember what they said? Because it's all on video. Somebody put together, this is what they said, this is what they did, and make a decision. Why can't we do that? I think it's a great idea. Maybe somebody could help. I could use some help in these sorts of things. Second of all, finishing up that last point, I 100% think that anybody who's poisoning the ground, killing animals, doing anything that causes harm to this planet or its people in the name of growing pot is wrong. It's horrible. It's bad. It's not acceptable. But we don't make those things be the crime. We make the plant be the crime. Let's go after somebody who's out there poisoning the public land. That should be a very bad crime. I got no problem going after those people. They say they found dead animals all over these big groves. Well, go after those people. Put the damn effort into it. Just like you do if it's somebody that you really want to get. Yeah, it'll take some resources. Probably less resources than the helicopters you said circling all over my backyard. There's a helicopter been circling all over Riverside County. And I talked to a dozen people. Yep, he was over my place. Yep, he was over my place. You know how much it costs to have a helicopter go up in the air and circle over everybody's houses, taking pictures of everybody's stuff? Our tax dollars paying for that? Oh, that's the feds, yeah? Well, guess what? We pay federal tax dollars. Guess what? Every single law enforcement agency that goes after pot is getting federal dollars to do it. And who's talking about it? Nobody. I don't see any of these so-called activist groups screaming about it. I don't see DPA yelling at the government about spending our tax dollars. I don't see uh, Normal. I don't see ATSA. I don't see any of these people. And I'm calling you out my name because I want to see some action. You guys are funded. You have money. You have people making salaries. And we're not calling for an end of prohibition. And you know why? Because you make your money off of this stuff. If prohibition ends, I'm out of a job. I want to be out of this job. I want to go into something else. I don't get paid to do this. I do this because it's important enough to do. Final point here. I've been looking at some studies about what people do with their time. And guess what? There's a direct relationship to how important something is to what you do with your time. Well, most of our time is spent sleeping. So sleeping is really important. I get that. We don't get enough sleep, it, we, we, our health suffers. Eating takes a junk, big chunk of most people's time. These little stupid things, yep, takes up a giant amount of people's time. Video games takes up lots of people's time. Work, just working their regular jobs, takes up a lot of time. There's all these things that take up time. And then in all of those lists, there's charitable works and volunteering time. Generally, in most people's lives, that is way down at the bottom. And yet, we claim we're outraged. We claim that this matters to us. I tell you this, folks. When it matters, come see me, and I'll give you something to do that will use up some of that valuable time and energy that you have to put into this. I can assure you. That's what I have to say on this. I've already burned up way too much time going hardcore. Let's uh, jump right on into it. we got Dana Beal up and uh, Jennifer Hess up first, and I believe um, we've got at least one or two other defendants coming up. 
Craig Cecil hopefully will be calling any time, but it's a little later than he normally does, but hopefully uh, he interrupts us and we can give him his 15 minutes to talk. Dana, welcome to the show. I'm going to put you on first today. How are you doing today? Oh, we're doing okay. Uh, getting by with all the rain never stops raining here anymore. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, they just were on TV again today here in uh, Missouri talking about Illinois. Tell you, saying if you bring that over here or taking, you know, they're going to get you. And we got to be in for it to end prohibition to end this mess because it's just getting to be a bigger and bigger mess every day. I couldn't agree with you more, and I'm only sorry that your troubles is what brought you to it. You know, it, most of the people that, that come end up being warriors are the ones that have been beat up the most and have had the most taken from them. In many cases, they're the, they're the least able to help, and yet they end up helping the most. Hey, Dana, this is Craig Cecil calling from federal prison. I'm going to... Interrupt you for okay. a second, and we're going to bring him up. Sure. <laughs> you have a good okay. call. You will not be charged for this call. This call is from Mark Cecil. An inmate at a federal prison. This call is being recorded. It is subject to monitoring. Hang up. Decline the call. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Hello from uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. How are you doing today? How are you doing today, Craig? Hello, I can hardly hear you. Can you hear me now? Uh, barely, but I can. Okay, yeah. I see. As you probably found out, uh, we've been on lockdown uh, for a whole week here. Uh, been eating our, instead of turkey bologna this time, it was uh, like a turkey, kind of a, a turkey ham thing. But here we had it three times a day. We, we had sandwich and uh, sometimes an apple. What was the reasoning for that? Uh, I think that the major reason is we have a brand-new warden and a brand-new captain. Because really there was no issue. There was a couple little fights, but they weren't like between groups or anything. The... One was a group, uh, a guy had come in and, you know, I guess he had uh, bad paperwork. Either he had a sex offense or uh, he had testified against somebody. And another group was a similar argument that they had put somebody in the shoe because he, to protect him from all the people he owed, and they pushed him back out onto the compound, they beat him up, and he wanted to get the ship, which are actually kind of normal events. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. So you're you're thinking really, um, this is this is all about just this new new warden, the new the new sheriff in town setting up his his power base. Yep, yep. Because they came around and would um, walk through the unit twice over the course of a week and kind of meet mug everybody and kind of some tough talking like. <laughs> It's all about, you know, being a, a new warden here and, you know, asserting how tough they are. Well, I, uh, you know, it, it's funny. I, I, I'm out here kind of beating the drum trying to get, you know, more and more people to care about ending prohibition. And 
you know, we get caught up in these legalization games, and the truth is, you know, the federal government hasn't slowed down. People think, oh, well, the feds are only busting things that are not legal by the state. But the truth is, they go out and bust anything they want, and the federal government's been wreaking havoc in California. There's a, a, a helicopter that's been flying out in my neck of the woods and circling around all these properties, and granted, there's all kinds of grows out there, but you can take a satellite and find them. You don't need to harass the citizens with a helicopter. It would probably cost a whole lot less. And this thing has been circling around for about three weeks that I know of. I have people come and tell me, um, you know, from various places in, in Southern California near me. And last Friday, I heard this, you know, pounding of the helicopter blades. And, uh, I was working at my place, and I went out, or last Thursday, I think it was. No, it was last Friday. And I go outside, and I look, and I see this helicopter, and it was a red helicopter, unmarked, but it had some kind of a camera system mounted on the front of it, and it was low enough that you could feel the, you know, vibration of the blades pounding the ground. And it was circling around maybe a quarter mile from my house, um, and circling around a property, and I, I, I went out kind of under the cover of my trees, and I stood out there and I watched it because I'd rather see where he's at than, you know, wonder what's going on. And I watched him, and, and he circled around real slowly, and then he went and did a big loop, and then he went and he, and he did a quick loop around my place, but he didn't hover over it. And then he went around some neighbors, and then he stopped over one house, and he circled over that, and then did another big loop, and then he zipped back over my house real quick and then zipped away. But he spent a total of about three hours in, in within my visual, and I'm, I'm kind of at the end of a dirt road in a, in a little, you know, in a, in a little canyon. I don't even have neighbors on two sides of me. So for me to be able to see this guy for three hours, you got to wonder, you know, how much was going on and how much money that was costing. You know how much it costs to keep a helicopter in the air? And this helicopter's been circling around now for almost three weeks in various areas near my property. Um, it's crazy. And this is all tax dollars that the federal government's spending. I, I came to find out through another source that that helicopter was involved in the federal raids that were going on um, in Anza, um, a month ago, three, four weeks ago. And I have pretty good now, authority. That... Go ahead. Oh, if you remember, I, I've been in prison 17 years now. But before that, for many, many years, I was a private pilot with an airplane. And a few years uh, before my arrest 17 years ago, the Civil Air Patrol was taken over by the U.S. Air Force. And part of being in the Civil Air Patrol is they wanted you to fly routes with uh, thermal imaging equipment in the airplanes. And over, you know, flying these routes, they were looking for somehow with the thermal imaging equipment, they could tell the difference between marijuana plants and corn plants, you know, in Illinois, which is predominantly, you know, corn plants. Right. But uh, they would fly these routes, you know, looking for marijuana, but they were essentially requiring, if you wanted to be in the Civil Air Patrol and help search for downed or missing aircraft and all that, you had to also, you know, fly around with this um, 
thermal imaging equipment looking for marijuana, and I finally opted out of it. I just didn't want to be involved in it. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a a system called called FLIR, and it was supposedly deemed to be Ill- illegal to use um, without a warrant. And it, it was, I think, what you're describing. It, it's a forward. Um, it, it, it's a sort of some kind of a of a radar or that that does it spots heat. But it's it's mounted forward on a plane, so it sees you know in the line of sight, and it 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 can create a case out of not a case at all. And they they were flying these planes around like you you like you're saying, you know you think the difference between a pot plant and a corn plant is a lot. Imagine what it looks like flying over a house that has a grow in it that has an exhaust and you know, uh, high-intensity discharge lights that put out a lot of heat. Um, and, you know, the deal is there's a point at which we have a right to privacy. You know, it, it's actually possible, and I've seen footage of some raids where somebody was actually growing vegetables inside their house using all the same equipment that somebody would use to grow pot. And because of something like this, they saw these images of these lights and there's nothing illegal about these lights. You can buy these lights anywhere, and they're 100%, 100% legal to buy. There's nothing wrong with buying these lights. And you can use them, and you can put venting on them, and there's nothing. You can, you can buy nutrients. You can buy hydro systems. You can buy all the equipment you need that you could grow pot, or you could grow radishes, or you could grow rutabagas, or whatever the heck you wanted to grow. But they make these assumptions, and I've seen a picture of the cops coming in, busting in a, a house, storming through it, tearing everything up, and they found a bunch of vegetables. And you know what? All you get out of that is, uh, we're sorry. We thought it was pot. And they walk out of there and leave, and they don't re- reimburse you for anything. And, you know, you can go ahead and try to sue them, but yeah, I don't know if you've ever tried to sue a municipality, but it generally doesn't go so well. Huh. Yeah, I'm surprised, though, that the feds are even still pursuing that, especially, uh, I believe, uh, actually, I'm pretty sure the law locker amendment is still in effect where they're really not supposed to be spending federal dollars to prosecute people that are legal under state law. Well, that, that, that's, and, the, uh, that's the catch, Craig. That's the catch. Legal under state law is a thing that has room for interpretation. And so if the feds think that you're not legal under state law, well, they don't know until they arrest you. They don't know until they go and they make their case and they raid you and they take all your stuff, and then you get approved if you were legal under state law. So that's the catch-22. People didn't realize that, you know, you hear those words and it sounds so good, right? You know, we got protection. The feds can't do this. Well, you Last time you tell the feds what they can and can't do, you come to find out they can twist this around and that around, and they can make it suit their needs, and that's what they've done. So I don't know that there's been a, a, a slowdown or not of, of raids, of federal raids. You hear about some, but not others. But the truth is federal money goes to every law enforcement agency that is raiding people and that money that goes to these law enforcement is to eradicate illegal drug 
funds or whatever, the feds turn it over to the locals. And then they turn around and make their cases as they see fit. A bunch of courts, uh, federal courts, have now required that as part of a marijuana arrest, they actually have to have a hearing and show that they're somehow not complying with, with state uh, marijuana laws. But as you know, uh, Lance Glover up in Washington, they never really had a hearing. They just made that decision without hearing from him on it, without allowing him to prove that, look, here's, you know, here's my licenses, here's... You know, here's all my, you know, different things I did to comply with state law. But they really kind of just just brush over that, you know, and really don't allow this person to defend themselves. Well, and that's, that's the problem with setting these lines in the sand and saying it has to be this way and not that way. Because then what's legal and what's not becomes very subjective. And even the laws themselves are challenged constantly by the appellate court, by, you know, the spirit of the law, the interpretation of the law. Uh, the Supreme Court would have nothing to do if there wasn't challenges to the laws. So what happens is the lower courts and the, the, the Justice Department comes in and says, well, here's what we think the law is, and we think that this guy's violating it, so we're going to go ahead and go after this guy. And then if he gets prosecuted and, and convicted by that lower court, well, there's an appellate court that can say, well, no, there's a problem here, and here's what happens. And then if that doesn't happen, then we got a Supreme Court that can say, oh, no, you guys got it wrong. But the truth is most of these cases never even get past the appellate court. I don't, I haven't heard few of any. And sadly, there is a few exceptions, but it's very few. Those are red herrings, you know. In general, they're, they're like lamps where they, like lamps where they just kind of gloss over the, the whole requirement, make a decision against him, and then it's really unassailable because you can't argue that the, the court decided in front of it when the court really never had much of anything in front of it. Exactly, exactly. So you know that's what we're up against, and, and you know my message right now is we're trying to. I'm trying to get people to recognize that ending prohibition is not the same as legalizing it, and that we need to find a way that we can say, look, this isn't a crime anymore. You know, we can make it a crime to poison the land if you're if you're doing something, uh, you know, growing out in public lands and you're using pesticides and 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 herbicides and whatever kinds of poisons that people might use. Hey. Make that a, a crime. It, it's a crime if you if you go and steal something from somebody. It's a crime. Hell, it's even a crime to evade taxes. All of these things are known actual crimes. And if you want to go after people for those actual crimes, then no problem. But when we keep making this plant a crime, that's where I have my problem. Because there isn't anything about this plant inherently that can ever cause harm to somebody. And, you know, our law enforcement role is to serve and protect, not to take shit from people. Well, there's your first beat, Craig. I've taken up way too many words in this conversation. I'm going to give the rest to you. I'm just going to make a quick note of is, is if you look at my conviction, the same thing happened with that. My business operated in Illinois, and the federal courts in Illinois found that even if I fixed the Trump's 
people used to transport marijuana, that was okay because I didn't purchase a marijuana-related. But they finally found a court down in Georgia that would actually convict me on that just because, again, the, the court never even considered whether you were actually engaged in marijuana. But thank you to everybody that is paying attention to what's happening to me and other people when, you know, they walk into marijuana stores and there's those of us sitting in prison, you know, on life sentences for marijuana when people now think it's legal. That was the perfect ending, Craig. I wish you could have um, always the last word. So many times you get cut off in mid-sentence. And I know that you probably would have had a couple more words to say, but at least you completed your thought. That's Craig Cecil. If you don't know who this person is that was just talking, he's currently serving life in prison. Life in prison, the same sentence that the guy got for killing those people and burying them in the desert. Um, I think they actually that guy actually got a death sentence in one of his charges. Same sentence that El Chapo got. And... In my opinion, he's a criminal, but not because he grew pot, but because he killed a bunch of people, and he was a, a, a ruthless dictator. Um, that's victims, folks. That has nothing to do with pot. The behavior that we call criminal in so many cases is happening to good and peaceful and, 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 and people just trying to help themselves and their friends out. And... There are people that are making a bunch of money at it. Great. There's a bunch of people making money a lot of ways. And in every other way that people get to make money, if I'm making aircraft bolts or if I'm growing cotton or corn or soybeans, the more I do, the higher I'm regarded. But not with cannabis. With cannabis, it's the opposite. The more you're doing, the bigger criminal you are, the more suspicious it is, the more the more caught up in criminal, criminal enterprises it is. And it doesn't add up, it doesn't add up to everything else. And I just say, why don't we level the playing field? Why don't we make it similar to something else out there on the planet? All right, back to Dana. And uh, Dana is hopefully just about over with his case. What's going on, Dana? Did you get your final hearing? Uh, we get it the 24th of July. And, I mean, if they try to take and go through with uh, making anything go, they, um, we're going to be pressing charges all over the place because they have no case at all. But it's like this, and, and this is everywhere. The, uh, we went – when we got arrested, they had no warrant. And then when we got to jail, they assaulted my wife there and at the, the uh, hospital. And then when we went to court the second time, there were 38 people there that had – Canes, walkers, and wheelchairs, all old and disabled, that were arrested for medical. Uh, they had they couldn't take anything else, and they're wow. just after the low hanging fruit. Wow, crazy! That's just insane. If that's not enough to really make somebody upset, I don't know what is. And I, I, I'm sorry it happened to you and your wife, but I'm glad that you're upset about it. <laughs> and that's you know. So many people, you know, lately, this last two weeks, I've received a dozen, well, half a dozen new cases that have come across my desk. And generally, what happens is out of 10 cases that come across my desk, maybe one of them will actually get out there and fight. And what happens 
And this is a sad truth, people. I want everybody to understand this. People call me up or they, they, they contact the, the organization and they say, I hear you guys can help. I hear you guys can come and bring people to court. I have a case um, this Friday at in, in, in wherever, Timbuktu, and I need help. And they think it's just so simple as you push a button and everybody shows up. And they don't realize that this is a big old effort, that it's grassroots organizing. This is down-to-earth, grassroots, civil rights fighting. And it takes the person who's going through it to really put together a plan and get their message clear and to reach out to a group like ours or, or whoever will reach out to the whole network of people but you got to get engaged like you have, Dana. You come on the show and you're out there letting people hear your voice and, and share your pain and, and, and understand your, your situation and your case and the, 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 the injustice of it all. And because of that, you've got a lot of people standing with you and supporting you. And I always tell people this, and it's so important, and I hope you guys can get this. We are an amazing, wonderful networking group of people, the Human Solution International and many other groups that have come to join with our mission to end prohibition. And we care a lot, and there's so much heart and, and, and passion with us. But the truth is we can't read your mind, and we don't know when things are if you don't tell us, and we don't know that any details about your case unless you tell us. And we'll forget because we got our own lives too, and it's important that you get out there, and we will be an amplifier. We will take whatever your efforts are and your thoughts and your caring and your needs, and we will amplify that many, many times. But we're not a power supply. We can't just push a button and infuse you with everything you need. It, 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 it's something that requires an active participant. Dana, you're a perfect example yeah. of an active participant. Okay, yeah, that's true. Uh yeah, I've reached uh, in the last month. I've just broke ten thousand people on uh, the stuff that we're going through and uh, all the different things that need to get changed, and that's nationwide. So people are learning, and uh, the best way is to get out there and educate people and uh, take and give them the tough questions of what they would do if their child or they were dying of cancer and they had no other treatment what would they do? They will always say, well, they're going to break, you know, go across the law and, and get some treat, get a, get the treatment we have because if it's the only one and, uh, exactly. anybody go ahead. No, I said, exactly. I'm agreeing with you. Who wouldn't, mm -hmm. who wouldn't do what, what's necessary regardless of what the law says, you know, your life and your loved one's life should be more important than what some government tells you you can and cannot do. But yeah, I was gonna. Uh, as soon as this case is done, that way we get our start getting our money back. Uh, we're gonna take and get a chapter down here for Human Solutions and get an organization going. There ain't a whole lot of organization around here. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you out a bunch of literature and ribbons and stuff just so you have them. And you know, it, it, at least that way you're you're gonna be tooled up. Cause you what, hear that, Lisa? He needs ribbons. <laughs> what what happens uh, yeah. is. We become like a lighthouse out there, and when, when somebody knows, uh, when, when there's somebody that's willing to stand up and, 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 and be out there for somebody, it's like a lighthouse in a, in a rocky point of the coast, and it's circling around with that light, and you become important in your community in a way that 
it can't be described. You know, when when somebody has experience, I I spent six years in court, and and I know what it feels like. So when those people call me up and tell me, you know, I got raided and I had my stuff taken and I've been locked up and I got abused in jail and all this stuff, I can say I know where you're at. I know what you're going through. I've done it. I've been there. I felt it, and I'm still pissed off about it. And and that's that's what makes your situation so important. And I'm so grateful to be that you're that you've decided to to stand tall and keep fighting. And man, I, I'm gonna come out there and meet you guys in person. I, I'm 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 certain that this year coming up, I'm gonna be a little bit more free to travel around and and spend time with some of the folks that are in the trenches. And uh, you know, I I would love to love to come out there and uh, and, and sit at the table with you. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, the biggest thing I want to tell people is uh, don't take and let the government tell you you have to die for their reasoning because it's totally untrue. And uh, it is. If you can, <laughs> go ahead. No, I'm disagreeing with you. I'm saying it is totally untrue. <laughs> I agree. But yeah, it's like Glenn and uh, Peggy Sue Keeling there up in Ohio. I mean, we're backing them as much as we can from where we're at right now. And, I mean, they're being totally done wrong. And that's happening all over the country. You go ahead. Yeah, it's absolutely true. So, you know, but but you standing tall and and fighting your case and more and more people are standing up again. I think we're finally getting a, a resurgence of people willing to stand up for their rights. So that's what's happening right now, Dana, is is we're gathering up. And you're going to hear more and more cases popping up, and it's the good news and the bad news. It's bad because it's happening. It's bad because, you know, there's these cases that happen. But the good news is when we stand up and we fight back, and each person that fights back reaches out to the community and gathers a team of people around them, that's when we start gaining strength as a, as a, as a, as a movement. That's when our movement starts to mean something. And that's what's happening. It's in the tip of the spear, and it's in the, the – Mud of the trenches that this stuff happens, and I'm no stranger to it, and I'm not going away until we're done. That's the same here. Uh, in this state, uh, they they only plan on expunging people that have small misdemeanors, and that is it. And that's not right. And uh, but we're 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 fighting with everyone to take and get this law changed and to overturn prohibition in the end. That's it. You get it. Dana, I, I, I'm so grateful that uh, I can have somebody's voice that's not my own <laughs> that, that's able to say these words that are so powerful. And, and that's the answer is you understand that this, this Trojan horse that they wave over us and say, oh, we're going to expunge all these records. Hey, listen, I'm glad that they're doing that. But it is in no way the solution to the problem. It actually turns into a whole new problem because then public perception says, well, hell, if yours didn't get expunged, you must have done something really bad. And it turns good people, um, it, 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 it deceives them. And that's where prohibition has gotten its teeth is by deception and propaganda, and that's what we're up against. But the truth will prevail, and we carry the truth as a torch, and you're part of this, Dana, and I'm just so proud to be with you and your wife. Uh, you too. My wife, she's doing good. She's completely behind me, and that really helps. I mean, that's about all I got in my family behind me. <laughs> but, but yeah, you can put your next, next one on there. 
Go ahead. No, I just said I, it, it's the same with all of us. Most of my family turned their back, but a couple of them stuck by me. My wife is the one that mattered the most, and she stuck by me, and together we stand tall, and we're fighting this thing together. So that's, you know, that's how we do it, and that's how we're going to keep doing it. So anyhow, yeah. Dana, I'm, I'm going to end up doing a little overtime today because, you know, I'm a little long-winded and always have a little, little bit too much to say. But I always say whoever calls into the show in regular time, you'll have plenty of time to talk, and I don't ever cut anybody off. So if you're on the show, folks, it's eight minutes left of the show. Don't hang up because I'm going to go until we get to everybody that that is in line to talk. All right, Dana, I'm going to move along, but I appreciate everything you're doing, and we stand totally firm with you, and we're going to send you out a package that's got some good literature and some of our stuff. Okay, good luck, brother. All right, thank you. Okay, so let's see. We've got Jennifer Hess to speak, and I believe she's one of the ones that has a case. And uh, let's hear what's going on. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Um, glad to be here. Well, what so happened was, oh. Yeah, go ahead. You're one of the defendants that were uh, beginning to support your case, right? Yes. And you're the one that was working uh, with Lisa Sublet? Uh, Sarah Stormont. Oh, awesome, awesome. And you Were you working with Lisa? Lisa Sublet or no? No. Okay, no problem. I'm just trying to get a sense. I know there's two cases out of Kansas, and one of them was and one of them wasn't. So, anyways, just so just so everybody knows, you know, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm grateful that you're willing to come on and share your story with this team because, you know, that's, that's really where it all begins, and, and it's a traumatic experience. It's, you and I don't know each other, but I've been through what you're going through at least a part of it, I, I went through a case for six years and been locked up and lost everything and, and kept fighting, and here we are today. And um, Sarah and Mike and, and our team in Kansas are amazing people, and they have such heart, and they're, and they're out there, you know, fighting for everybody. And fortunately, they're not fighting a case right now. Hopefully it stays that way. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what's happened to you, and, and we can begin to sort of create a – uh, community support around you? Well, on the night of May 23rd, it was, I think, about 10.30, and I was getting ready to go to bed and just watching TV, and the four police officers knocked on my door, and I just cracked it enough to stick my head out, see what was going on. I, my porch light wasn't working, so I couldn't even see them, and um, they said that they had received a report that somebody was in my house screaming. Oh, I have an 11-year-old who screams pretty regularly, and he was not screaming at that time. So to me, it seems like a ruse just to approach my home with every intention of coming in. Anyways, I told them there was no screaming and went to shut the door, and they forced the door open. Two of them came into my house. The other two demanded I go outside my house. And... um. Like I said, I was dressed for bed. I wasn't even fully covered. I kept asking to, you know, be able to get properly dressed, and they wouldn't let me. They said they'd let me, and then they didn't. So, I don't know. The whole thing seems questionable. And then um, I spent two weeks in jail, and as I was – well, let me talk about the jail conditions. There were nine women in a six-bed cell block. There was about two feet of floor people could walk on in front of the cells. 
because we were sleeping on the floor. There was one person sleeping, even blocking the door. And I called around to try to figure out what could be done about that or what kind of standards were in place and was told it was at the sole discretion of the sheriff. So there's no oversight, no accountability whatsoever. And um, on June 7th, I was getting ready to bond out and the sheriff and a KBI agent got me out of my cell, took me into the interview room and informed me that my husband had died in there. And um, then they left me in the room for about 30 minutes to sit with that. Oh, my God. Yeah. I haven't even gotten to see my kids to be there for them with this going on. Um, I will get to next week, but, I mean, that's a month without seeing my kids. I've never been separated from them for that long. How old are your kids? 14 and 11. God. Oh, 15, sorry. (laughs) Are they with Are they with family members, or did they get taken? They are. Fortunately, they're with my sister. Okay, good. At least that's. I'm looking for something good in this. This is this is a horror story. I I I'm hoping that um, Dolores Halbin reaches out to you if she hasn't already. Um, I'm gonna reach out to her again. Um, she went through a similar situation. And she lost her husband as a result of, of a of a raid in a case like this. Um, it didn't. I don't think it happened in custody, but it was a direct result. And it's it's just so horrible. I I, I I'm sorry. I'm I'm getting all choked up on this. I've never even met you. And and that's what this is well, all about. Nobody should People, be dying over this. No, no. This is. I mean, you know. People are so hung up on these little rules and these little these little uh, technicalities and, and and this 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 tax and this law and this this license and none of that matters. You know, there's lives at stake here. There's people that are dying because they're not getting the medicine they need. There's people that are dying because of the trauma of of of, of being locked up. I don't know if it, how many exactly. of you have gone through the raided and locked up, but you stare down the barrel of a gun, and you can actually see the bullet that will kill you if you blink and sneeze the wrong way, and I've done that. I've stared down the barrel of a weapon that would have killed me if I didn't comply the way they needed, and I tell you what, it's a traumatic experience, and not everybody is suited to uh, uh, to take that, and I, I don't know what, what the cause of your husband's passing was, but it doesn't matter. Um, chances are if this if he wasn't in custody this wouldn't have happened. He he was, yeah. So, I mean I don't know. I don't I think he would still be around if that had not happened. To me it's like if I'm, you criminalize people's way of treating their illnesses, you're essentially criminal criminalizing the illness. Exactly. You're criminalizing the people you're criminalizing a, a whole class of people that have chosen freedom and that have chosen to treat themselves rather than be dictated what, what you're going to do with your own body. You know, the, 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 and this goes so deep into the pharma company. But the truth is, I, I, I really want you to know, as I, I'm in California, okay, 
I went through a case that lasted six years and, and, and had me locked up for months at a time, and yet people rallied around me, and it was the people that kept me strong, and it was the people that actually kept me free. I had a number of amazing, wonderful people that sacrificed to get me out of jail so that I could stay and fight, and I promised to them at that time years ago, and nine years ago is when I got arrested the first time, ten years ago, that I would stay and fight for you guys, and I would stay and fight until we won, and I'm doing it, and I will continue to do it. And I tell you what, if your case goes to trial and and there's a need for there to be a big support, I will personally be there for you, and I give you my word on that. And I will do everything there, I can to bring it and then, then we will make that happen and we'll do everything we can to bring those people and, and I don't care what it takes. You know, we need to stop this. We did this in Kansas once. I don't know if you heard of Kyler Carricker's case, but a few years back, um, you know, he was he was being charged with the felony murder rule over a pot case and he would have he was facing life in prison and and I came out there and we brought our knowledge and our grassroots organizing and we worked with the family and we raised up hundreds of people on some days and we made a difference and we were able to get that that case beat on jury nullification and I don't know if you know what that is but you will by the time we're done because it doesn't yeah, matter do. what the law good well then then if we need to we will we will fight that battle and we will fight it correctly and we will do it we will win Okay, just know that that you have the support of this organization, which is international. We have chapters all over the country, and I can guarantee you that we will have bodies in your courthouse. And I don't say that to everybody, um, but this is a special case that, that needs our help, folks. We need to stand up with this one. So when, when is your next case? Tell me a little bit about where you're at with the, with the case and, and you don't need to tell me any details about it um, as far as details that might cause you harm to talk about, but tell me about where what, what has happened in court so far. I have not yet pled. My next court date is July 16th. Okay. And do you have a, an attorney or are you dealing with a public defender? I have a court-appointed attorney. Okay. So have you met with this person yet? I have talked to him over the phone. I had an ankle monitor on at the time, so I couldn't really go anywhere because he lives like 60 miles away. Okay. Well, what, what what we need to do is, you know, Sarah and Mike are awesome, and I work with them on a regular basis. So most importantly is that you stay in constant contact with them and, and, and let them know what's happening, and I'll, I'll, I'll keep my finger on the pulse of your case as it's going. But don't let that court-appointed attorney blow you off. You have a right to be represented. And if you don't feel that he's representing you, you have a right to, I believe they call it a Marsden motion, where you can actually fire that attorney and they have to give you another one. And so um, just, just know that you're not necessarily stuck with an attorney that a state court-appointed attorney that doesn't want to support you. You have more rights than that. So we're here to share our experience. We're not legal experts. We can't give you quote-unquote legal advice, but we've spent a lot of time in courtrooms, 
and we can we can share with you what we've learned along the way, and we can definitely stand there locked arms with you. So we will absolutely do that. I appreciate it. So, anyways, all right. Well, I, I encourage you to call in the show. I mean, anytime that every week, if you could, just to let people hear your voice and and um, just know that um, we're building a community out in your neck of the woods. Um, that's growing and it's going to continue to grow and and it's again unfortunate that it takes something like this um, to to do what's needed but what I want to do is get your story and create a um, a news story with it and a and create a press release that brings attention to it and I think um, Becca's not on this on right now but um, if you could get a hold of uh, Sarah and either dictate or record or write out your story um, to, to share with what's going on, if you're okay with that and, and going public with it, I've found that that can be one of the most powerful tools. Um, unless you have a lawyer that says, hey, i got a plan and I'm going to go ahead and execute this plan and we don't want to bring this public because i got a plan that will work without that. But if you don't have that, let's be prepared to go public with this thing if you're okay with it. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I I mean, this is ridiculous. People need to know that this is happening. Okay. Well, I, that's, that's our next step. Um, generally, when, when, when a new case comes, um, this is the first step is to get a hold of your chapter that's local if you have one. Second, get on the show and, and, and tell your story and I, I generally we don't have something that's this compelling and this this powerful and this tra this tragic, but we're going to take this tragedy and we're going to use it to reach down and 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 snap those damn heartstrings that people have, and we're going to bring people to this. And I will assure you, anything I have to bear, I will bring it. Thank you. All right, Jennifer. Well, well, let's go ahead and um, just get a hold of of, um, of Sarah and Mike, and let's let's get this story written out. We have uh, a team that that will help to edit it, get it written where where it's in a good format, and we can we can get it out there on the wire and, and get a get a press release released. Okay. All right, Jennifer. Well, we'll make sure you got. We're going to send you some literature and make sure you got a ribbon. Uh, I don't know if you've seen our solidarity ribbons, but they're a little green ribbon with a red cross on it, and that's a symbol that we stand together and that that there should be no victims of this drug war of prohibition, and that when when I see a ribbon like this, I it raises my heart up and it says that person's standing with me and. When I'm wearing it, I feel proud that I. somebody asked me what that's about, and I say, you know what, this is in support of those people that have been victimized by the war on drugs, that have been, that have been victimized by cannabis prohibition, and that we stand united, and that's that show of solidarity. So I will make sure that you, you have um, that a, a physical symbol of, of, of our support. Okay, great. Awesome. All right, Sarah. Well, again, you, you, you have my sincerest condolences and support, and we're, we're here with you. Thank you. I really appreciate all the good work that the advocates I've been in contact are doing. Well, we're going to use this to unite the, the 
to unite the movement in a way that maybe it hasn't been before, and, and we're going to take this tragedy and we're going to turn it around into strength, and that's what we're here to do. So uh, Jennifer Hess from Kansas has a, a case that needs support. If you're anywhere in Kansas or in the surrounding states, you know, get to me, reach out, and we are going to be putting together a powerful court support team. All right, thanks, Jennifer. Hopefully we'll talk to you next week and, and just keep this conversation going. Okay, thank you. All right, take care. Okay, we're in overtime now, which that means that um, if you drop off, I'm sorry, you won't be able to call back in, but we're going to keep going until everybody gets their chance to talk. We have Pete Yapel, we have Colleen and Bob, and we have Tom Corby um, still to talk, and we got plenty of time for that. Um, I do have one thing that I wanted to bring up, and I got this story got brought to me, and I know I've been a little long-winded today, but what the hell? It's my show. I get to do that, and I'm just going to read it because it's really it was written well enough that it doesn't mince words. Hi, Joe. Here's a recent story of a grandmother who was jailed for three months with a million-dollar bond for allegedly trafficking meth. While the court was waiting on lab results, the grandmother missed the birth of twin grandsons and the miscarriage of a third grandchild. She considered accepting a plea deal to get out of jail and get back to her family. In the 11th hour, the lab reported back that the bag recovered from the grandmother's floorboard was an old cotton candy bag. No drugs could be found. Grandma is suing. Taxpayers will pay. The system continues unchanged. The interesting part of the story for me is that the courts will not accept field tests anymore due to the high degree of inaccuracy, yet law enforcement continues to use them. Why? Because 90%, their statistics, not mine, of defendants plead out, and I understand it's actually 93 to 97%, effectively denying the need for any law enforcement to justify the means by which they arrest and incarcerate people for moving about the cabin. And I don't care that it was a meth case instead of a pot case. It was a wrong case. There was no meth. Just as so many times there's no pot, and even if there was, it shouldn't be a crime. Folks, where's your outrage? Where's your outrage that our dollars that we work so hard to make and give to the government to serve us and protect us and take care of us in whatever way that they're supposed to do, giving us roads and and you know, whatever it is that these government people are supposed to be doing, and instead they're using it to attack grandmas. Oh. All right. Pete Yapel. Now, folks, before Pete gets on, and I know he's going he's gonna to have a strong voice and he's going he's gonna to have a powerful message because Pete is a warrior. Pete is an advocate. Pete is an orator. Pete is a, is, is a brother in arms. I'm proud to have Pete on my team, and and uh, very seldom have I found somebody who has a passion like this man does. And Pete is suffering. He's suffering a lot of pain. He's He's got all kinds of health issues that have crippled him from time to time, sent him to the hospital. And yet Pete just gets out there and he's pissed off because he can't do more right now. I have to tell him today, you just got to work on you and fix yourself so that you can get out there and help other people. 
so many people and so many times the people that are helping the most are the people that have the least to give. Where's the rest of you? Where's those of you that have more to give? Where's those of you that have extra time, some dollars, some some passion that they're willing to get out there and get some boots on the ground and, and, and stand together, sit at the table, let's make a plan and and, 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 and act and, and execute it. Where are you, folks? we got a great team that's growing. We call ourselves the A-team. We are the A-team, and that group is getting stronger and stronger. But literally, it's one at a time, one at a time, and one at a time, and little by little, we're gaining on it. But my God, it'd be sure great to have a few thousand of you pop up just like that. I know if I was putting a concert together, it would happen just like that. I know if I was giving away joints tomorrow, it would happen just like that. I can tell you a hundred ways I can make it happen just like that. But to just change the world because it needs changing. I made a point, or I began to make a point that I got, I think I sidetracked my damn self on it this time, but with Facebook, I'll make a post from time to time, and sometimes I'll make a goofy post. Sometimes I'll put a picture up. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll put a well-thought, deep, profound statement. And I tell you this, the goofier the post, the less deep and the less impactful and the less meaningful it is, the more, the more uh, involvement we get. The deeper and the more profound and the more real and the more moving and the more passionate and the more to the core of the problem we get, nothing crickets quiet. You know, maybe let's peel away. Let's maybe get into some honesty. Honesty is not, not always pleasant. I find in my life the more honest people are, the more terrible stuff they have to tell me. When somebody starts getting honest, they start saying, you know, what I heard about you, you know what your friends said about you, you know what really happened, and they start telling you the truth. Hey, I'd rather deal with the real truth. The real truth is that cannabis prohibition is a solvable problem, and it's going to take us to solve it, and we can do it. And each little facet of the, of the symptoms of it, from people getting locked up to people being locked up to uh, pot costing too much to whatever, those are all the symptoms, and the problem is this prohibition, and we can end it. All right, Pete, sorry. Uh, hopefully I gave you a proper introduction. Welcome to the show, Pete Yabel, with the Solidarity Over Separation chapter of the Human Solutions from New York. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Uh, yeah, I'm just uh, – I've got a bit of a you – know, I'm just a little under the weather. I can hardly uh, move at the time, but the point being is that yeah, the the solution isn't done. We have still a fight to fight, and uh, it don't matter how sick we are or how we feel. We gotta still every day. We gotta put something into it because if uh, the minute we go idle, they you know they pass us because they're 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 rolling over us with tanks and such like you're saying. And uh, it's ridiculous when you hear these stories. And my God, that last one just hugged at my heart and uh and uh people uh people don't get it. it it they the enemy doesn't look at this you know like we do i mean we don't we you know, we just think of cannabis as cannabis and this that and the other thing i mean they truly 
are engaged in this thought that this is this evil, horrible thing that's going to harm, you know, everybody that comes in contact with it in any way. And, and uh, let's be realistic. It's never killed anybody. It's never going to kill anybody. It doesn't have the possibility to kill anyone. Plus a whole lot of it falls on top of you. You know, you're, you're, you're pretty much okay. But, um, you know, I, I, I fight every day because, you know, uh, I should be able to freely just be able to be able to take care of myself with this plant. Shouldn't have to, uh, you know, this and any plant, like, like you're saying, like, you know, good Lord, like with that lady with the meth. So, so what, whatever it was, it still was un- unjust. It wasn't what they said it was. Here in New York, we I, I applauded a police station, local police station, just a little local police station, no less, that sent its results, you know, field test results to the lab. And the lab said, no, there is no uh, narco, uh, what the hell are they, what the hell is that fentanyl in the weed? You know, because you always see these stupid things that, oh, they're lacing weed with fentanyl. Who in their right mind's doing it anyway, man? I mean, come on, man. You know, potheads don't want to smoke fentanyl. I mean, well, it's not even like it's, you know, a thought that even crosses our head. So to say that people are doing this purposely to get it out there is ridiculous. So these field tests, like you say, are absolutely ridiculous and and you know, and and then you know, public intoxication as you drive. How does people know? People don't know what it takes me just to be able to function on a day. How much intake of THC I need. So we we can't gauge things like that. But um, you know, the human solution is is exactly that. Some or an organization that's going to fight for people that are, you know, facing so-called crimes and. It's even hard for me to say that because there's not a victim, and if there isn't a victim, there there truly couldn't be a crime to begin with. Uh, so the importance of us continuing to uh, every day, you know, yell, scream, you know, write letters, and you know, be in people's faces, and and and, and at least explain their rights. It's the only true way I think that we're going to beat this thing. And coming together, like, you know, and, and understanding definition, folks. Like, legalization is not a good word. It's a horrible word. There's more people in going to jail now since legalized states have become that way. You know, ending prohibition is truly the only situ- end to the situation. And I'm, I'm truly going to get off the phone right now. Uh, I'm in a tremendous amount of pain, but you guys can always find us on Facebook, Solidarity Over Separation, Human Solution International on Twitter, all that. Just look us up, Solidarity Over Separation, Human Solution Chapter, uh, New York so- Chapter of the Human Solution International, sorry. Um, uh, you can look, see us at www.canwetalk42smallo.com. And my phone number is 845-522-3162. Thanks for your show, Joe. I appreciate it, brother. All right, Pete. Well, thank you for being there. And, um, you know, just uh, hang tough. We're, we're, we're going to keep on fighting and just focus on getting yourself well so we can do this together. 
You got it, man. Not a problem. I'll, I'll be all right. Like I say, it's just a, it's just at this point in time, uh, trying to find a a spot where I can get some relief, you know. And and with nerve with nerve pain, it's very difficult. Well, we're just, uh, you know, I'm going to put a call out all the people that are listening to the show. Um, you know, Pete's all over the, the social media. You know what he looks like, Pete Yapel. Um, just just. Look at his image and, and see him smiling and full of energy and able to get up there and run around and be pain-free. And we'll all do that, say a prayer, visualize it, send out some healing energy, whatever it is you've got to bear. Um, you can do that from the safety and comfort of your own home. So we're going to send you out a big a big bolt of some good stuff, Pete, and uh, just uh, hopefully tomorrow you'll be feeling a whole lot better. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much for that, Joe. That means the world to me. Of course. All right, you guys, Pete and Helen Yapel, these guys are carrying the load, too. They're they're part of my mule team, and we carry this this up the hill and and over the next one, and that's what we're going to do until we get there. That's right. That's right. All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. Pete and Helen Yapel, folks, Solidarity Over Separation, Chapter of the Human Solution, New York. All right, up next we got Colleen and Bob, Jared, and they're way up in Northern California. And uh, Colleen and Bob, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing? Doing wonderful. Thankful that uh, we have Bobby free today and uh, excited to have him home where he belongs when he can have his medicine and not be persecuted for it. Hey there, Joe. Nice to to talk to you. Unfortunately, I... uh, I, I should, well, I shouldn't have. I had to go help some sick people, you know, as my buddy was out of town, and I'm way, way back. I was on the I-5, and there's two ways you can take on the I-5. I could have took the 199 and stayed in California, I mean, the 299 and stayed in California. I take the 199, which is a safer route for me, and I end up getting stopped going 63 and a 65 in a rental car, and so I know all my lights work and everything, and I, he, he wants to write me a warning ticket, he says. But he wants me to step out of the vehicle. And I said, this is very unsafe. You know, this is uh, the I-5. Why would I want to get out for a warning ticket? And he scratches his head for a minute and comes back and says, I I stink like marijuana. And I have absolutely no marijuana inside the vehicle at all. I have a bud in a jar and a trunk inside of a mason jar, uh, maybe two joints. And they write me, well, that was a ticket for import and export of cannabis, I guess. And I'm going to fight this. They, they, what happened is they, I started to assert my rights and I asked for a supervisor at that point. And he, he assured me that they weren't going to hurt me. And I told him I'm already crippled. I, I can't walk. I'm not getting out of the car. I'm going to need a wheelchair. I don't have my walker with me. I'm prescribed a walker. And I, I video recorded the whole stop. And, and that's always what I recommend anybody does anymore because body cam footage happens to disappear from these officers sometimes. They use probable and, cause uh, as, uh, their probable cause was that I um, smelled like marijuana. And as I'm sitting there, I got two phones, and I'm Googling another phone, Oregon law. And as it stands right now, it is not against the law to smell like pot in Oregon and does not give probable cause to search a vehicle. And also in the state of California. Or, nor in the state of California to send to marijuana any more probable cause to search a vehicle. And I, I, I got my window cracked about an inch. I could hear him just fine. He could hear me. I was talking very polite. And he, now, I mean, I'm literally surrounded by six cops with a spike car under my 
tires like I'm going to take off or something. And The oncoming supervisor. And I thought they were going to break my window for a second. And the, the oncoming supervisor actually hit my rental car with his squad car. He ran into my front bumper. Going on to oncoming traffic. Uh, and oncoming traffic on the I-5. And I, I, what I messed up is I rolled down my window a little too far and asked him for his insurance card. And they reached in, and they grabbed me. And I had already told them I was disabled the whole time. This went on for half an hour. You know, and I said, I'm, I, I can't walk. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not getting out of We can go to a parking lot, super, you know, anywhere safer than this, than the I-5, where I'm going to hit by a vehicle. And they assured me I wouldn't get hurt. I broke a metatarsal. I think my, well, it's swear up my Crohn's disease to where now I, I'm eating broth. And, but I'm going to court, and I'm, they have, they, they violated every right I have. And when I found out what, how they treated the prisoners in there, I, I, I was beaten. I watched multiple prisoners beaten in handcuffs. And it was some, one of the most terrible things I ever witnessed. Like, I was in fear. And I, I, I've been incarcerated for, for multiple. I have never seen nothing like this jail in my life. And it was Jackson County Jail, Oregon. Uh, uh, the way, I, I, just as there, and then this is when I realized they were overcrowded. My bond was $35,000. I thought somebody bonded me out. They just let me go because they're overcrowded. And um, my bunkie, the guy that slept above me for the night, I didn't get a spork or a cup, right? So I had to eat my breakfast with my hands. And when they go to release me, they asked me for the spork and the cup. And I said, I was never given one. And at that, the look in his eyes said, it all. I thought I was going to get beat up right there. And the, my, my, the guy that slept below me, he ate breakfast with me and he told the officer, he said, you know, he was never given anything. I watched him eat breakfast with his fingers and they put him in handcuffs, took him around the corner, slammed. I heard, you know, the sound of a skull crashing in the concrete. And that's what I heard. And they wouldn't let me watch. But I, he was from Texas, a parole violator. I wish I knew his name. And thank God that it wasn't Bobby that got beat. But that shouldn't have happened to anybody. I, I, I felt like I entered the twilight zone almost for a second there because I, I, I'm thinking, isn't marijuana supposed to be legal in Oregon? And I was, he told me, he actually said that he smelled me come across the state line. I was an hour and a half in Oregon. And we also have a friend who he stopped at their farm to say to milk actually one of her goats who's actually in Ashland. Yeah, so gave him two joints in a sealed jar, which he put in his trunk, which is the, exactly legally how you're supposed to carry in the recreational state. However, Bob is a medical. I meet the guidelines for a federal Indiana. patient is what I was trying to tell the cop that I've already left Indiana, Illinois. And I've come as far as I can go. Without cannabis, I'll die. There are no more Crohn's disease medications that respond to my body. And I don't take narcotics for pain. And they they, they just couldn't believe this, you While know. While pulling him out of the vehicle, as the phone is being recorded, he drops the phone. And you can hear the voice change in Bob from the assertiveness, knowing that he had his rights to... Sir, sir, you're hurting me. My foot is tangled up in the in the seatbelt, and you're hurting me. My, I have broken feet. I've told you this. I need a walker. Um, and you can clearly, this is all on video, and um, I would like to upload it to uh, to the um, Human Solutions site because I or, or to a, a site on Facebook, whatever. But I think that other yeah, people no. should hear what happened to Bob Jared. Yeah, we can put it on our YouTube channel for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, it's good. What after I witnessed, because what's happening on I-5, they weren't even, all they were looking for is cash. 
when and I had $38 on me, like I'm some kind of big drug dealer. So if I got $38 on me, you know, I get a government check for Christ's sake. And that when I dropped the phone, you could hear them inside talking in my car. The first thing they say is pop the hood. And they're, they're, all they were asking me was for large amounts of U.S. currency. Do I have any large amounts of U.S. currency? And I'm thinking, I wish. You know, and as he's pulling out of the car and and being physically forced, he's asking them, "Please, you're hurting me, and you're further injuring me. I'm I'm disabled already. Please, sir." He never once cursed. He as they were they were physically hurting him. He kept calling them "sir" with respect, and they showed him no respect whatsoever. No, it was a they violated my Fourth Amendment right. Is what happened. And probably a couple other rights. You know, I've got to get with the ADA and find out. I am. If they don't have a case, I'm going to ask for a fast and speedy. Not once was he disrespectful or cursing. Yeah, I heard it. I, I heard the recording. It was uh, you did you did everything right, and and you know that's one of the lessons that we have to know is, you know, the best thing we can do is do it right, but we also have to be prepared. And just because we do it right doesn't mean we're not going to get targeted or victimized. And that's why we have to change it, people. That's why we have to fix it, is just doing he, it right. He's already a, a medical refugee from Indiana. But that's what we're going to do, Joe. We're going to keep changing it. And anyway, I hate that this happened to me, but in another way, I am proud that it happened to me because I'm going to stand there and I'm going to tell them the truth. And and the yeah. truth hurts sometimes. And documenting helped everything, helped this case completely. If they would rather have Got me it. on more, if that, that, with this opioid crisis, you know, I, who wants to be on that anyway? He's off all all prescription drugs and only on cannabis. And so for for them to to take his medicine away, the two joints. Yeah, they took my two joints. That was sealed in a glass jar in the trunk. And it's just a ticket for that, which I am going to – I want a jury trial for my ticket. And it wasn't even – he was in a rental car with California plates. It doesn't matter. They stopped me for going 63 and 65. There was no probable cause. Yeah. No, I, like I said, just because you're doing everything right doesn't mean that you don't get targeted. And that's – you know, that's where this outrage needs to happen and be from and to. And, you know, it, it's it's happening – in bits and pieces and fits and starts, but generally it only happens when something really horrible happens. Somebody gets killed, or or even when somebody gets killed. Generally, I'm like, why isn't that enough to really get everybody going? And a few people will go for a little while, but target, you know, these 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 ambiguous targets rather than this is a really clear, specific target that we can identify the problem, we can create a solution. And we can demand that solution. And when that solution happens, we won't have that problem anymore. And, you know, I'm not in any way denigrating anybody else's efforts, but just because something matters doesn't mean that there's an answer for it. The answer is we got to stop the problem. We have a very clear solution here. So, you guys, I am sorry that all this stuff's happened. I'm glad that you guys are standing tall and fighting, and I know that, United we stand, and we're going to gather more and more support. Unfortunately, at the tip of the spear and at the at the at the the, the suffering of good people. But meanwhile, if that's what it takes, then it's on us to take that and do something with it. And that's what we're doing. 
Yeah. Well, in a way, I'm kind of like you. It ain't my first case, you know, and hopefully it's my last one. But, um, yeah. you know, I'm not never looking for it. But in a way, I'm glad it happened to me because the next guy might not have stood up and fought him. You know, yeah, and, 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 and hopefully it changes something. That's it. That's all we can do is, is, is hopefully make a change. So, all right, you yeah, guys. I, well, I appreciate yeah. it. God bless you, and, and God bless Tom Corby and Donna Corby down there, the NorCal chapter. I, I pray for all of you every day. Thank you, Frank, for taking such great care of them, and Liz for taking such great care of Joe. We love, love you guys. guys. Great show, Joe. <laughs> you have a good day. All right. Thank you, guys, and thank you for everything. Bobby and Colleen. No, California. All right, we got Tom Corby up next, and we're going to close the show out. We only went a half an hour over. Not too bad with so much to say and so much to do. I do want to bring up um, one last point before Tom comes on. Um, we've been working for many years with an inmate by the name of Michael Thompson, and we published an article uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it got some traction. I was under the impression that um, a major activist was going to get involved, and I hope he still does. Um, but we haven't gotten the attention that I thought we were going to that I think it deserves. And one of the things that got brought to my attention was the article doesn't really make it clear what is what we're asking for. And um, I think we're revising the article a bit to make that happen. But the truth is uh, Michael Thompson has been locked up for many, many years, and if we don't, do this, he's going to remain locked up. Um, and I believe that we have a good, strong hope that within the next weeks or months, he's going to be released. And the problem is when you've been locked up for 20 years, everybody or most of the people that have stood by you are not there anymore. Um, any property that you may have had, you don't have anymore. Any money that you may have had, probably don't have anymore. And you come out, imagine coming out of a place of a, of a exile, coming into a, a new opportunity to live and, and make a difference out there, and you got nothing. And so what we're trying to do, what we're doing is raising money for Michael so that when he gets out, he has a leg up. Uh, we're trying to sock away some money for him so he has money to uh, get a head start, maybe get a house, maybe get a car, maybe get, you know, some clothes, some just living money. It costs money just to live. And that's what we're raising that money for. We've set an account aside specifically for him under the guidance of our 501c3, totally transparent. And um, we don't do this kind of fundraising very often, but we're doing it right now. And so, um, you know, we're going to be recirculating this article. We're going to re revise it just a bit as it hasn't performed the way we wanted it to. And um, hopefully we can get you guys to uh, help out a little bit. If everybody that cares about this effort was to donate a couple of bucks, it would make a gigantic difference. Um, and, you know, I'll always be the first one in and the last one out. Um, and uh, I'm standing there in a, in, a, in a pretty small pool right now. So let's uh, pay attention to it. Look for it. It will get passed around again. Uh, revised a bit, and hopefully uh, we can really give it some legs. And finally, tomorrow we're going to have a meeting, and it has to do with um, an amazing project that is getting ready to start, and it has to do with a 
uh, farm co-op and a uh, an opportunity for people that are in need from disabled people to um, uh, people, Native Americans that have issues to veterans that have issues to um, people that are getting out of prison um, for nonviolent drug offenses um, or just nonviolent offenses for God's sake. You know, if, if you didn't belong in there, you certainly deserve a, a second chance and a leg up. Anyways, we're, we're going to be discussing a project that will uh, create something for this to happen, and it's really exciting, and I can't wait to share the news with you guys as it develops. So, uh, finally, we got Tom Corby, and he's always got something to say. Not a man of brevity, but a man of courage and conviction. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. Uh, well, thank you, Joe, uh, Becca, Mary, and Lisa, and the Coffee Party Radio Show always for another historical show. We want to thank you all again for all your love and support. Uh, without it, I don't know if we'd have made it. That means much everybody, um, brothers, like you all have for us. It was really good to hear Bobby and Coney talk today. And one most important thing Bobby brought out was probable cause. When we first talked about the case a couple weeks ago and Coley, thanks for also for helping Bobby help work for the case. That's the point we always all the when you look at them, not only pro, probable, no probable cause, no warrant, but it's crabbing, which they still had. I'm still looking for Bobby to uh, get well and hold him. Get back down. You know, I want to see that video. That always goes. Yeah, yeah. That always goes. Jennifer and Bless part. And that's what brought out to Mars most of the And actually, Collins, along with her new doctor, uh, we're still getting a recommendation. And I still think it's important to have your doctor recommendation. And I talked today, I don't know about Dr. Allen, how he's doing well. With uh, got his grant back and how she finally hit the doctor's back. And uh, when we talk about I believe also and they must they must uh, uh, point to another if he's incompetent has to file under a competent also you can work with your up here and be absolutely proved as if where we're coming from hey Tom you're really bad it's really hard to hear what you're saying how about now much better how about now much well, better yeah, much better I end up talking way out here with my arms swinging. You know how I am. 
Yeah. So anyway, right. Well, yeah. So uh, we work with our PDs and we've redirected them, and that's why there, we have no more cases up here in Butte County and actually all of Northern California because they're coming from uh, taking them on to trial. Uh, demanding your 995 dismissed probable cause motion. Also, uh, when Donna and I first got out of jail 10 years ago or so, thanks to, again, Joe and everybody for coming for us, uh, we didn't think we'd make it. My good friend Toby Williams came, and he had a big white pad, and what did he have on there? Big Glorious Discovery. Now, you must demand, first of all, that your PD gets your all your discovery because how are you going to work your case if you don't know exactly what you're charged with? Your police report is your first discovery. Now, that's not scary, folks. What's your book? It's online. You want to get five, six copies of that and have all your people that know, like Joe, all of us, and you, Start working your police record. And once that, start everything at them and make them sick of you. Basically, your case will go away, and they are. So we take them on trials. There's no both, and of course, PDs make three times the money when they deal you out. So we don't deal. Uh, I want to bring up Michael Thompson again. I cannot believe how many years ago that was that I got that first package. It was huge. And I sent it down to you and how we've come for him for these years. And and basically he's getting charged uh, with three twenty two caliber guns that don't even fire. They're antiques. And that he was uh, because... He's black. Uh, it was even in uh, the report how he was uh, found. You know, there was some racism in there. And uh, I'm glad to throw some in for Michael Thompson on on your fundraiser. Let's get that set up, Joe. You did. Uh, it's, also, it's on the page, ready to go. And now listen, also, Joe, because uh, we had all this all this rain, torrential rain this year, torrential. <laughs> excuse me, don't forget the green. Uh, actually, Eagle Lake, I've talked so much about it. And then uh, we're trying to get maybe back up to Eagle Lake and get you and Liz up here and Dee and Paul. And we'll go, maybe go fish the Eagle Lake. And I'm, I'm not the, that was a nice trout you caught down there, and I'm glad you got a break. We all need that, too. Yeah, I want to thank you all today for coming and helping to be the solution to finding provision to free all our POWs. No one spend their life in prison for our sacred plan. Thank you all today, and don't forget to free. Excellent. Thank you so much, Tom Corby. And I want to thank everybody that participated. And please, if you were listening, you know, Take a minute, take some of this stuff in. It's all very, very real, and lives are impacted. Lives are at stake, and we can make the difference, and we can make the change. And you can be a part of the solution, and we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson. 
and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.